0: Well, this morning, if you would, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 1. Actually, we're going to, the series will be, the short series will be verses 1 through 11, but we'll be looking at verses 1 through 7 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And what I'm going to have you do, if you would, this morning, something a little different. Just hold your place there for a few minutes got a couple of things that I want to talk with you about as a church before we get into the message this morning. First of all, you'll notice that one of our elders, Jim Davis, prayed for the choral work team. They are on their way home, and we praise God for his just many, many answered prayers. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I stood up here and said, we didn't know if the pilot had passed his license we didn't know whether once he got his license whether they'd get permission to take the helicopter into the cora valley god worked all of those things out gave them a very productive time and now we're praying as they travel home but next sunday night sunday night the 22nd those four guys are gonna share with us and I think they've got a lifetime worth of stories uh, to share with us and looking forward to it. And then after that, after that, there's going to be a a neat fellowship in the gym. It's described in the bullets. And if you're going to that fellowship, for those who are preparing the food and setting up the tables and chairs, it would be very helpful for us to have uh, somewhat of a number. So please sign up out at the information center. And when you sign up, you are saying that you agree to bring a dish to pass as a family. So um, that's out at the Information Center. And looking forward to that. As you can see in your bulletin, we have a big announcement in there today. And uh, one we are encouraged and excited to bring to you. And I'm going to talk about it for just a minute. Uh, As you see, after much prayer, seeking the Lord... And waiting upon him, the pastoral search committee is recommending to the congregation that Pastor Chad move from his position of pastor of youth and outreach to the position of pastor of discipleship. This has been a long process, but we think or we believe it is one that God has given us great guidance in and great peace about And so we are calling for a special business meeting on Sunday night, October 6th. The special business meeting will be after the service. A vote will take place at that time on this move. And there will also be four different days in which you can vote absentee if you're not able to make it to the special business meeting. The church constitution and bylaws says that any kind of business meeting like this For any kind of business meeting like this, we need to give two weeks of public notice, but we're going above and beyond that. We're giving three weeks because we want this to be a, a very open and transparent process. So you have three weeks, three weeks to ask anyone on the pastoral search committee about this move, about this vote. The members of the pastoral search committee are listed at the bottom there. And also, we strongly encourage you, if you have any questions, anything you want to talk about with Pastor Chad, uh, that you meet with him, go to coffee with him. uh, He would love to. He would absolutely love to sit down and talk with you uh, about this. And uh, the job description has been for almost four months now on the church website. So if you want to look at the job description and what it entails, you are welcome to do that. But I thought this morning this would also be a little bit of a, an opportunity for a teaching time before we get into the message. You'll notice that we have there two points of clarification. I just wanted to emphasize because sometimes there are confusion or there is confusion about these things that this if the congregation approves this, this will be a lateral move for pastor Chad again, he will move from one associate pastor position to another associate position pastor position Um, and this position associate pastor of discipleship is even with all the other positions it's not a stepping stone to the senior pastorate neither are any of the other positions stepping stones to the senior pastorate or anything like that so if you've ever thought that we want to clarify that we just want to make that clear to everyone what you need to know is all of our associate pastor positions, whether it's the pastor of music and technology, pastor of youth and outreach, pastor of discipleship, they're all even. They are. It's not like we've got one up here and we've got one down here and we've got one down there. And if you've ever thought that, that is completely inaccurate. It isn't. They are on one level. In fact, in fact, so is my position. We're all on the same level. All the pastoral positions here at First Baptist, and we believe biblically, are even together. No one's up here and someone's down here. I am the senior pastor, but that doesn't mean I'm the big guy and that I get to make all the decisions. Nothing like that. I see myself biblically as the captain of the team. Um, there has to be somebody who is a team leader among equals. So I see myself as a leader among equals. And my position in other churches goes by different titles. Um, Senior pastor is probably the more traditional way to call, uh, to title this position. But in many churches today, this position is known as lead pastor. Sometimes it's the pastor of teaching and vision. John MacArthur, who is... The lead pastor in his church strongly prefers to be called um, a pastor teacher. He is the primary teacher in the congregation. That is my position. I'm the senior pastor and I have primary responsibility for teaching. Not just from the pulpit, but in meetings I'm in and in all different kinds of venues. I'm not the only teacher by any means, but I am the lead teacher. And actually, biblically... Our non-vocational elders, we have five of them, and then we have the four vocational elder positions, full-time pastors. They're all even together. Um, Just this morning, I was doing one of the sessions of our membership classes, and we talked about our leadership structure here at First Baptist Church. And all of our elders, vocational and non-vocational, are... Together, And so I just wanted to make that clear, maybe there's been misunderstandings about that in the past, but we all work together, we do. So Chad is moving from, uh, or we're asking you to vote on him moving from one vocational position to another vocational position. You know, it may surprise some of you, but even as a senior pastor, as the lead pastor of our church, guys don't always agree with my decisions. Um, and that's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. You know, sometimes I'll be in an elders meeting and I'll have an idea. And those guys are so gracious and so kind. They'll go, oh, good idea, Pastor Tim. Well, we don't think so. <laughs> you know, at least, maybe not now. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And that's how we work together. I don't, I don't dictate what happens here. I'm not the primary one who makes things happen here. We, work to, we really do work as a team, and I believe that is what we find in the New Testament uh, as they went around appointing elders. It's always in the plural. They went around appointing elders. And so as we come upon this significant decision as a church, I just thought it would be good to take a little time and to share that with you. Well, at this time, let's get into our message this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And if you're a regular attender or member here, you know that I finished a year and a half series on the book of Ephesians last Sunday morning. And so we have three Sundays left, the 15th, the 22nd, and the 29th before we have our local evangelism month. And so I thought I'd just do kind of as a follow-up, a series, uh, a three-part series. Actually, the first two messages are part one and part two and then a separate message on the 29th, but that message will very much be built upon these first two messages. And here's the thrust of these next three weeks. And I think it's very important. Christians go through hard times we do we go through hard times just like everybody else does and God wants to use the hard times in our lives which we all inevitably go through for our comfort and for his glory he does he wants to take those hard times and use them for our comfort and growth and for his glory and maybe right now even now as I speak this morning some of you are going through a hard time. It's very likely that many of you are going through different kinds of hard times. So in those first seven verses of Second Corinthians chapter 1, we read this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the hall of Achaia, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, I hope you noticed how many times the word comfort is found in those first seven verses. Well, our first point this morning is no exemptions. Christians are not exempt from the hardships, trials, and persecutions of this earthly life. Christians have terminal illnesses. Christians go to the doctor and hear that bad news. We don't think you have long to live. Christians are in accidents. Christians have heart attacks and strokes. They go through marital and financial difficulties. And Christians around the world, right now, even as we meet together on this 15th day of September, Christians around the world are suffering, some of them severely, for their faith. And when we go through the difficulties and hardships of this life, we are prone to ask, why? Why me? Understandable. But that's how we tend to look at it. Why? Why are you allowing this, God? Why me? And I want you to know there is never an easy answer to those questions. We ultimately have to cast ourselves into the hands of a sovereign God. And that's not a cop-out. That is the truth of Scripture. Ultimately, in those difficulties we go through, when we don't understand why God has allowed it and why we are enduring this, we have to cast ourselves into the everlasting arms of God and trust Him. I love the book of Job. I know some of you do too. Fascinating book. Absolutely fascinating. Do you know what's most fascinating about the book of Job? God never tells Job why he went through the trials he did. Why he went through the suffering he did. God never answers Job's questions. God says, Job, here is who I am. I am the transcendent, majestic, all-powerful God of heaven and earth. I created the sea, the earth, the heavens, and everything in them. Trust me. Trust me, Job. That's the point of the book of Job, is that Job trusted in who God is. But we can be sure one thing we can know is that God is using our difficulties for his purposes. And they may be many fold. And they definitely include your spiritual growth and your ministry to others. That's why this section in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is so important. These first 11 verses are a key passage in all of scripture. And especially in the New Testament on this whole idea that God, one of the reasons God allows us to suffer is so that through the comfort he gives us, we can comfort others. Here's an important principle. How we, act to our, how we react to our trials and hardships will determine whether or not they are used for our comfort and for God's glory. So when you go through a time of trial and suffering, which we all do, your reaction is everything. It will determine how you grow. It will determine how God can use you. It was once said, when hard times come, be a student, not a victim. A victim says, why? Why would God allow me to go through this? A student says, what can I learn from this? A victim says, I just know God's punishing me. I must have done something wrong because God's punishing me. A student says, I may not understand, but I want to grow through this. I want to grow. I want to grow spiritually. I don't understand why I have cancer. I don't understand why I lost my job. But I want to grow through it. I want God to use it. A victim says, "God has abandoned me. He doesn't care about me." But a student says, "I know somehow some way. God uses everything, even this, even this time of suffering. God uses for his own glory and for my good and for my comfort. We must, folks. We must have an unwavering belief in the sovereignty and goodness of God. It is the only thing that will get you through. It is. You will never have all the answers. You will never be able to answer all the why questions. But you do know that your God providentially rules and reigns not only in the world but in your life. And he is good. He is good in all of His ways. No matter what happens, we know that God is at work somehow, somewhere, in some way for our comfort and good and for His glory. We all love, and rightfully so, Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Important little phrase there. That we need to repeat over and over again, in all things, in all things, in all things. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Well, our second thought this morning is trials draw us close. We do know that our trials draw us close to God, at least if we react in a biblical and righteous way. There is a divine purpose at work in your life and that purpose begins with God. Again, in those first three verses in the first part of verse four, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. And God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our affliction. Notice that incredible phrase in verse 3. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Well let me tell you. Your heavenly Father. Is merciful. He longs to comfort you, to hold you, to go with you, whatever you endure and whatever you go through. And let me tell you, this makes our God dramatically different than any of the other false gods of the world. People all around the world in false religions trying to appease their gods sometimes cutting themselves, going through elaborate rituals and formulas. Their gods are aloof. Their gods are distant. They can't talk to their gods. They don't know if their gods listen. But I want you to to know that the one true God of heaven and earth, He is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort whatever you're going through right now at this particular moment, He knows. He knows. And not only does He know, He cares. You know, the thought struck me as I was preparing this week. Do you know how many Bible-believing churches there are all over the world? Lots. Lots of them. And He cares about every one of them every single one of them, not only does he care about those churches, he cares about the people in those churches. People in people groups all over the world, worshiping together, crying out to God together, and he hears and he knows because that is our God. And Paul goes on to describe God in this way, who comforts us in all our affliction. Oh, I'm so glad that word all is there. Other translations have in all of our trials, in all of our troubles. I want you to know this morning when you are sick, he is there by your bedside. When you go through financial hardship, he is the God who provides. When you are hated and despised, he stands by your side. He is always there with you. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when you walk through any other valley, the valley of loneliness, the valley of grief, I want you to know he takes you by the hand and he leads you right through the valley. During our times of trial and suffering, God's compassion overflows into our lives. He is so compassionate and so kind. In our times of trouble, we do know this. God's mercy is sweet and it is tender. I don't know about you, but I feel that from God. He is so tender with us. He is our Father. You may have had a good earthly father. You may have had a poor earthly father. But no earthly father is perfect. But you do have a perfect father. It is one of the greatest honors and privilege ever, privileges ever given to any mortal man or woman that you are able to call the living God your Father a father that you can go to at any time for anything. And some of you know this so well because you have been in those deep valleys. You have walked through those hard times and he has been there for you. I was reading an article recently about, about a man who was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And what's interesting about this particular guy is physically fit, a nutrition. Not really watched whatever he ate, exercised all the time, walked into the doctor's office with some pain he didn't understand, thought at first it was something that he did while he was exercising and found out that he not only had cancer, but it was already in stage four. But he said this, I have learned so much. He said, I've learned to be sensitive to those who go through times of great suffering he mentioned that he has gone through some what he called severe chemotherapy. High dosage chemotherapy in an effort to fight this. And he said, I've become more compassionate to others. And then he said this, I thought this was really interesting. He said, I have learned through this illness that a lot of the things that I worry about, I shouldn't be worrying about. They're not that important. A lot of the things that I have spent my time in anxiety over. He said, when you know you might die and die soon, he said, it changes your whole perspective on life. You see, in the midst of your sickness, you can discover that God's comfort is greater than your sorrow. That his comfort even outweighs whatever pain, whatever sorrow you may experience and to know that he is right there with you. Well, our third thought is our ministry to others. Often the best counselors are those who have endured the same pain or struggle that you are going through. And again, verses four through seven, it says, who comforts us in all our affliction. Now, watch the logical progression here. So that, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when, notice the reaction here, when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Had this experience not too long ago. But I have often told people, I am more than willing to sit down with you and listen to the struggles or suffering you are going through. I really try, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to be a good listener. And there is an important place for pastoral counseling and pastoral comfort. But one of the things I share with people often is I've never been where you are. I haven't walked in your shoes. I would encourage you to find another Christian who's experienced what you're experiencing and let them share with you how God worked in their lives. And I often tell people, God is not only going to meet you where you are, but he's going to help you to bring comfort to other people. The best counselors are those who know and have experienced what we're going through. One of the things I work hard, learned this many years ago, if I've never had what they have or experienced what they're experiencing, I never say I know how you feel because I don't. I don't know how you feel because I haven't walked in your shoes. I can listen, but let those in the body of Christ who have been where you are minister to you Paul looked at his sufferings the hardship the deprivation the imprisonment the unrelenting unrelenting opposition that he faced and he concluded this isn't just for me this isn't just for me God is doing something in me for the benefit of others our afflictions can soften our hearts so that when we have received the comfort of God we can turn and pass it along to others And if you have been through some of those valleys, oh, be willing, so willing to help those who go through the same or something similar. God lets us, allows all of us to go through hard times to break us of our callousness and selfishness. You know, sometimes we have that tendency to say, I don't don't know why they just don't get over it. I don't understand why they just don't toughen up. Well, when you suffer, you realize it's not as easy as you thought it was. God uses those things, our trials, our sufferings to soften us, to make us tender toward others. Oh, let me say this. God wants us to minister to hurting people in the name of Jesus. God wants his church to minister to other hurting people in the name of Jesus. Remember this, we never suffer alone. We never suffer alone. There are those who want to help us and there are those that we can help. There is someone, there always is, there is someone who is going to need your counsel, your wisdom and your experience. They need somebody to identify with. In verse 4 again it says so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Now notice this. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. What a key verse. It's a key verse for the whole passage. And that's why we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ we share abundantly not only in suffering but in comfort too. Paul says if we are afflicted it's for your comfort if we are comforted it is for your comfort which when you experience patiently you endure the same suffering that we suffer our hope for you is unshaken for we know that as you share in our sufferings you will also share in our comfort well the first seven verses of 2nd Corinthians 1 remind us that in every trial, God has a plan for us. He does. That's the good news. Here's the hard news. We don't always know what that plan is. We won't always, I want to say it again, we won't always fully understand that plan. Some things we will not understand until we get to heaven. Some things we may not even understand when we get to heaven. Our trust is not in understanding. Our trust is in God. Our trust is not in our understanding and making sense of what we're going through. Our trust is in the God who saved us and the God who keeps us every day. But biblically, we can be sure of three things if we react correctly. Again, when we suffer, we will draw closer to God if we allow ourselves to. Second, when we suffer, we can be used mighty of God, mightily of God, to bring comfort to others. And I want to add a third thing. When we suffer, we can be used of God to be a great witness for Christ. So many of you have shared with me that your illness, your time of suffering have opened doors you wouldn't have had any other way with a doctor, with a nurse, with a family member, with a coworker who knew that you were going through this difficult time and it opened the door for you to share how you're making it through and the God who keeps you and watches over you. So let us remember, and we'll do part two next week. God wants to use our trials for our comfort and for his glory. We're going to close in just a few minutes. with that Matt Redmond song, Never Once. Never once did we ever walk alone. Isn't that true? Never once. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did he leave us on our own. You are faithful. God, you are faithful. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that when we walk through the valleys of this life and we don't understand and we don't have all the answers we do know this you are right there with us you never leave us you never forsake us you take us by the hand and you walk through those valleys with us thank you thank you thank you that you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.